Welcome to another episode of the Granite List Live, where we discuss all things related to employee benefits and human capital. I'm Lee Dill. And I'm Sally Pace. And thank you for tuning in. We are joined today by John Powers, the CEO of Homestead Smart Health Plans. And John, I want to jump right into it. You all have a unique combination of components that make up the health plan. So do you mind talking viewers through what those five components are? Sure. We own our own third-party administrator. We also own our own reference-based pricing engine, which we call Claim Watcher. And we own our own insurance company, Homestead Insurance Company. And we integrate tightly with our medical management and PBM partners to have this integrated and a holistic solution that attacks the problem of cost and care from every possible angle. So talk a little bit more how you're different than a traditional TPA and what people know in the marketplace as traditional carriers too. So I've been in this space for more than a couple decades. And when I started, I had a full head of hair. So I've learned a lot, paid a lot of tuition in the school of experience. Where I'm at right now for our solution, I think there's a lot of vendor fatigue with brokers and their clients right now. We're the best at this. We're the best at this. What about this solution? It's just so confusing for brokers. I think they want one neck to choke. They want accountability. So we integrate all the necessary components, regardless if it's telemedicine or whatever, and we give you one neck to choke and we're accountable. And that integrated approach where we own that ecosystem from A to Z, probably the wrong thing to say it, but from cradle to grave in the claim world, we believe drives better outcomes and a better member experience. Consumerism is a big piece that you share as part of your network is really finding, you know, what works best for the member. I know that RBP is known as a product, but it's really not. And you can tell us more about how you view that. But also, you really look at the fair market value. Can you talk a little bit about how your plan works for the benefit of the member utilizing it? Sure. It seems like there's a couple of questions in there. I'm going to do my best to hit them. First off, you know, reference-based pricing is not for everyone. Our target market, we also offer the Cigna network, the Edna network, but for reference-based pricing, that's the door opener for many brokers. The ability to save an employer $2,500 per employee per year, and it can be disruptive. So the best target for reference-based pricing is lower margin clients or employers with lower wage workers. We are fighting for those 95% of Americans that don't have $500 in their checking account. And when you say consumerism, I think most health plans are void of consumerism today. Everybody thinks there's this mythical insurance fairy in the sky that pays for it. But for self-funded health plans, it's their money, right? So we try and create consumerism by giving the employee and their families choices. So if you go to hospital A, here's what you're going to pay. And you might have no out-of-pocket if you use our smart network. If you want to go to Mayo or Neiman Marcus, it's going to cost you a little more. So we have cost and quality metrics for everything in there. But really, this is supposed to be a benefit for the member. And our care navigators are there to educate the members and say, here's what is available to you. And they can decide what meets their medical and financial goals. Great question, though, Lee, on that consumerism. I have seen so many health plans over the years, and it's built by the benefits team or it's built by the brokers. But I've always wanted to know, what does a member really want? You know, when when I was 32 years old, young and bulletproof, I didn't need health insurance. I just needed health care if I had a strep throat, right? Now I'm a little bit older and I might need health insurance, right? So we're involved in a study. We have over 6,000 responses right now from members of our health plan and other health plans say, 
What do you really want from your health plan? I think that's interesting. We asked 50 questions. We asked them to rate the ones that were their top 10. The number one thing that these 6,000 members want is a better relationship with their primary care physician. When I took that back to our leadership team, they said, we're not in the primary care physician business. I'm like, yes, but if we're going to improve member satisfaction, we have to solve that. So we need to make sure there's reasonable access to quality care. So when you enroll with Homestead Smart Health Plans, if you don't have a primary care physician, we're going to find you one. If we can't find you one that meets your needs, we're going to get you virtual primary care. We're going to make sure that you understand the plan and that you can use the plan because the national statistics say that only 51% of people use a health plan. I don't know what the number should be, but I think that's too low. So we're really driving that member experience, what they want. And the second thing they wanted is they want to be able to understand their health plan. We're in this business and it's frequently difficult for us to understand what's a copay, what's deductible, what's coinsurance, how does this work? Where do I pay? Do I pay this EOB? Do I pay this medical bill? So our customer service team is really there to help the member understand what they do. So it's kind of like staples in the easy button. You hit that easy button, you call us, and it's our job to take care of that in a timely fashion. Because, you know, anytime you're dealing with a medical situation, whether you got a strep throat or you got something more serious, it's scary. So that's really what we're focused on right now. The last thing I'll share with you on that is number four was people wanted better digital tools. But when you broke that down to the socioeconomic factors, people that make less than $60,000 a year don't care about digital tools. People that make over that are like me and ordering most of their stuff from Amazon. They don't want to talk to a human being. They want to do that. So you have to meet the member where they're at. And focusing on those social economic tools, you know, is English your first language? If not, how do we get you the care you need? I just want to say we certainly are very familiar with your story and what you do. But one of the key takeaways from our audience is the passion that you bring from the top down in really walking the walk. I mean, people don't always say, I love my TPA. And the fact that you just shared how you have surveyed these folks and are actually taking action. It wasn't a rubber stamp. Speaks volumes about the way you manage your team and the way that the customer can expect to be addressed as well. So my hat's off to you for that, John. Thank you. Thanks. That's because I grew up broke and I I was that guy without $500 in his checking account and didn't know what to do. So Apple doesn't fall far from the tree there. I want to make sure we, because those are the people that need it the most. Absolutely. Talk a little bit about who you're different from. When you're in front of a broker and you're prospecting, where are you gaining traction and what are they leaving to come to you? So it's usually not the Aons or the Mercers of the world. In fact, frequently I get asked, who's your biggest competitor? And I usually name a broker in a specific office and they say, well, they don't do reference-based pricing. I said, yeah, but that broker is married to the status quo. And maybe that broker has really become comfortable with the admin fees and the dollars they're generating from that group. And I say, that's not wrong. Uh, They might think that the book is the best thing for that group, and maybe it is, but they've been able to convince themselves that it's not worth it looking at other opportunities to help an employer take back control of their health plan. I say take back control because if you're with a BUCA, you do not have control now. And, you know, I have to look in the mirror every morning, convince myself that I'm not a bad looking guy, and that's hard. So for them to convince themselves that it's okay to take a large admin fee from Blue Cross, I get it. And if I was putting my kids through college doing that, it'd be hard for me too. But for employers, that want to take control of their benefit plan and they want flat renewals. You know, one of our longest term customers in Homestead, their premium in 2014 with Blue Cross is more than their renewal in 2023. 
So they've been on a reference-based pricing thing for nine years now, and their healthcare costs are lower in 2023 than they were in 2014. Yes, they had to do some work. And who's it best for? I already mentioned low margin companies with lower wage employees. Some of the, the higher wage folks, maybe they opt for a dual plan and take Cigna or Natna so we can meet their needs too. But really it's for that company that has an HR benefits team that does a good job managing change. You know, nobody pays attention in open enrollments. How do we get that information? I was on with a broker yesterday and they said, how do you handle when the member doesn't use the care navigation thing? I'm like, well, you know, Jim has been working for XYZ Trucking for 26 years. He's accessed his benefits the same way. We're asking him to change. That's not easy. We got to go to him. There is no meeting halfway here. So that's our best prospect or best broker, that disruptor that wants to win new business. And we're a great door opener. I view ourselves more of a sales enablement company for brokers. I think we got a great solution, but we're going to help them. I'll carry a broker's briefcase in to help them win new business and retain current clients. Do you have any success stories, individual success stories, or any industries that you've made particular impact in? I know you mentioned the trucking business. Tell us a story. Yeah, so the lower wage one, the manufacturing company I just referenced that's been with us since 2014. That's a great one. Another one, it was a medical billing company in Houston last year. They were with us for a year. And at the end of the year, they said, I couldn't believe that they moved to reference-based pricing because they're doing the billing for hospitals. But we had a very successful year for them. And they said, we weren't sure. And it worked. I've had a customer for several years, most litigious law firm in the country. And you wouldn't think that a law firm would be a good fit for reference-based pricing, but these are folks that want to take control of their health plan. And, you know, yes, there's horror stories about balanced billing and potential lawsuits. I've been sued once doing this for a decade and a half. And we won on summary judgment, won seven figures on a countersuit. So those horror stories, as long as you're managing the plan right, the bark is worth more than the bite. You know, if you look at the numbers, reference-based pricing, most groups are doing it on facility claims. So if you have a thousand people on a plan, only 8% of them are going to have facility claims. So that's 80 out of a thousand. We only have to manage hospital facility claims for 80. It's not that hard. So to get that savings, that's $2.5 million in savings for that plan. Every CFO I've ever met would say, I'll take that risk every time. So it's getting the right broker to get to that employer. Speaking of the right broker, you're not the only game in town. So as brokers are evaluating similar models, any advice for what to look for, what they should be asking, questions they should be keeping top of mind? For sure. And and there's, I think, 12 relevant reference-based pricing companies. A lot of us are friends, right? We're usually competing with the status quo, as I mentioned earlier. You need a savings analysis. So you're promising $2,500 savings. Like, show me what the future looks like, where this member population lives. What's the future look like? Is this hospital accepting? Do you have a contract here? Is this hospital turning people away? But the single biggest factor for me that I want brokers to do is ask their vendors, whether it's a reference-based pricing vendor or any vendor, Do they eat their own cooking? Are they on their own plan? And of the top 12 reference-based pricing company, I only know of us and one other one, probably the largest one in this space, that eat their own cooking. And my thing is, it's mind-numbing for me. If you're not on your own plan, how can you recommend it to others? And I've talked to other vendors and they're like, well, we can't be on our plan because of this or that reason. Those are all excuses. You either believe in your plan or you don't. The other thing I'd say is, are you a fiduciary? For the claim you are. And if you're not a fiduciary, I would say 
run, don't walk away. Because fiduciary is the highest level of responsibility under ERISA. And it puts me personally under significant risk being a fiduciary. And if you ask most people, they don't just say no, they say hell no, they don't want the risk. I want the risk. I want to step in front of the employer and the broker. I want to take that risk and back up, put my money where my mouth is. So are you using your own platform, number one? And number two, are you a fiduciary? After that, you're in good shape. Okay. So we're rounding out the show. I know we've spent a lot of time talking about the pricing model, but let's back up and just kind of, you've got five different components. Why those five? And what parting words would you have for somebody that's listening to this show that you would want them, elevator pitch really, what makes you different? If you're interested in taking back control, using and getting a better member experience, reference-based pricing is actually easy to save money because you're paying them less. Controlling the noise is harder, but is the integration there? Like we have our own risk stratification software that's looking for the emerging claims. Who's the next iceberg? Can we get out in front of it? If you say, hey, how do you save money with dialysis claims? Let me show you how to prevent dialysis claims. So that integrated solution, my mom used to use the word holistic all the time, so it's stuck in my head. We're attacking the problem from every possible angle. And if you don't have these five platforms integrated, you're missing some angles and you're going to have leakage. You're going to have reference-based pricing savings, but are you missing the catastrophic claims that are coming down the road? So it's got to be integrated. If it's not integrated, it's not a solution. And are you getting performance guarantees from your groups? What I've seen doing this so long is a lot of people make a lot of promises on the front end. And very few people are coming back at the end of the year. Hey, you promised this, that I was going to save this. Did you deliver? So I would say, yes, take a chance, but make them back it up with performance guarantees and check the progress at the end of the year. Perfect. Well, John, thank you so much. I know that your energy is contagious. It certainly is. We run in a lot of similar circles and see your team fast at work at conferences. And I know you always have a crowd around you. Certainly, folks, you can learn more about Homestead Smart Health Plans. They have a great presence on both LinkedIn and also on the World Wide Web. But we're especially proud to have them as partners on the Granite List. And of course, the Granite List is the most trusted independent platform for the Benefits Leader Universe to search and source plan solutions. So to learn more, you can visit thegranitelist.com. And thank you for tuning in to another episode. Thank you for listening to this episode of The Granite List Live. Access our entire library by visiting your favorite podcast venue or subscribe on our site, thegranitelist.live. Thank you.